Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you this morning. I'm Pastor Tuck. And if this is your first time joining us, we want you to know you're in exactly the right place. You're exactly where God wants you to be. And I want to encourage you to share this broadcast with at least three people. Because as believers, we have a mandate to spread the gospel of Christ all over the world. We are a teaching ministry with a mission to help people get better by teaching them how the word works. So go ahead and get your Bible, your notebook, your pen, your highlighter, and let's get ready to dig into God's word. But before we do, let's begin with our Bible confession. So go ahead and grab your Bible in your hand and repeat after me. This is my Bible. I believe every word. I am who it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. By hearing this word and applying it by faith, it'll change my life. So I declare right now from this day forward that my life will never, ever, ever be the same again. And neither shall the life of anyone with whom I share this word. So I declare I'm going to share this word with someone so that their life will never be the same again in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Precious God, Lord, we thank you today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the moments of preaching. And Father, I trust you, Lord, that Father God, Lord, that we're going to experience, Lord, miraculous things today through your word. Father God, I ask you, Lord, that you would move me aside. Speak to your people. Say what you want to say and do what you want to do. Father God, Lord, I'm just your vessel. Father God, this is just your platform. Lord, do what you want to do, Lord. Say, Lord, exactly the things, Lord, that are on your heart. Lord, make minds open, Father God, hearts receptive, ears alert. Father God, Lord, that they would hear and obey your word. Father God, Lord, that we would be, Lord, the change agents that you've called us to be in the earth. Lord, do what you want to do, Lord, however you desire to do it. I'm just, Lord, clay in your hands. Lord, mold me. Use me as a tool. Father, I declare, Lord, Father God, every contrary spirit, every demonic force, null and void. Father God, Lord, that there will be no technical issues. Father God, no, no hindrances. Father God, no, nothing, Lord, that will stop this word from going forth and that it will come forth with power. Father God, Lord, we declare, Lord, that anytime, Lord, your word says, Lord, anytime we can see, hear, and understand, Father God, we can be converted. So I declare, Father God, Lord, that, Lord, that we would, Lord, receive, Lord, insight, foresight, and revelation, Father God, that we could be changed into that which you have already declared we are, and Lord, that the world will be different because of our encounter today with you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, remove every burden, Father God, every hindrance, every yoke, Father God, Lord, and everything, Lord, that is weighing us down, that we will walk in the power that you've created us to, and we thank you and believe you, Lord, for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Now, if you've been with us, then you know that we've been talking about the fact that this is the year God wants to restore the church to a place of greater influence and impact. But I told you, in order to do so, we must be able to hear God and do what he says. In other words, it requires unquestioned obedience. So we've been talking about the restoration of our soul. And I told you one thing that is essential to the restorative or restoration process is that we must have some concept of the original condition or state of that which is being restored. We must understand how we were first created, 
and how we originally were designed to operate. Well, the Bible says God created us in his image and in his likeness, which means we were created to look like him and act like him. See, we existed as a spirit that dwelled in a body and possessed a soul. And we got all of our information and instruction from God. We were totally submitted unto him. But when man fell, sin entered the equation. Our spirit man died and our soul became corrupted and our lives became carnally driven, directed by the whims of our flesh. Well, when we got born again, our spirit man was restored. But the problem is our soul was not. And that's why so many believers continue to live a life of carnality and never experience the things of God. Well, that's kind of where I want to start this morning. So open your Bibles with me to the book of Galatians chapter 19. I'm sorry, chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And when you get there, I want you to look at verse 19. I know some of you are going, Galatians, that's that book of 19. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 19. And here it says, now the works of the flesh are evident. So in case you are unclear what a life of carnality looks like, Paul makes it clear what kind of behavior that entails. He tells us that that includes adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. That means anything that resembles this type of behavior. He says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, notice what he says. Those who practice such things, those who have a pattern of this behavior, he says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice that word. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, even though you have a right to it, you will not take possession of it. You will not experience the things that God intended. See, even though we have a right to be, have a blessed marriage, even though we have a right to have obedient children, even though we have a right to being prosperous in our finances, there are some things that will hinder us from taking possession of the life that God intended for us to have. As a matter of fact, go over to Galatians chapter four. Galatians chapter four. Oh, I'm just kind of laying the runway for where we're going this morning. Uh, Galatians chapter four. And when you get there, look at verse one. Galatians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. I'm reading this from the New International Version of the Bible. And here it says, What I'm saying is that as long as 
The heir is a child. He is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. Here Paul makes it clear that even though a child owns the whole estate, he cannot inherit. See, it's a matter of maturity. And maturity can be observed in one's behavior. Uh, look at verse four. He says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. See, Christ came to redeem us, to restore us to our rightful place. Because there's a difference between children and sons. See, we hear people all the time talking about, I'm a child of God. Well, we're all children of God. But the Bible says that the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. They're waiting to see a demonstration of sonship. As a matter of fact, he makes it clear that he makes it clear that there's a distinction in the Roman letter. He says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. See, the, the, what, that demonstration that the world is waiting for, they're waiting to see God's children be led by his spirit. In other words, those who follow the instructions and pattern their behavior after the spirit of God, he said that's what's going to differentiate us from everybody who calls themselves God's children. He said that's going to be the proof. That's what's going to allow them to see who's God's children really are. He said the world is waiting for the manifestation, that outward demonstration of the sons of God, that living proof of sonship. Why? He said, how are we, why is that going to give them proof? He says, see, because when we follow his instruction and pattern our behavior after the spirit of God, they're going to see our inheritance, us take possession of the life God intended. See, because it is submission to the spirit that qualifies us to experience the things of God. And what hinders that is the corruption of our soul. See, because although we may have received salvation, we may not have submitted to sanctification. Uh, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Oh, we're going somewhere. I'm telling you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And when you get to look at verse 23. Here he says, now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. 
See, sanctification is the process by which the Holy Spirit transforms or restores us completely. And see, it began at salvation. He restored our spirit instantly. But after he restored our spirit, we now have to submit our soul so that he can restore our soul. And if you submit your soul to be restored, then it will produce godly behavior and that will sanctify your body. See, it will produce godly behavior. It will produce a life of righteousness. And it does so because it actually shifts the power structure. Uh, what do you mean, Pastor? Uh, since the fall, when the spirit of man died, the soul of man was next in line. See, because I told you, you were a spirit that lived in a body. Pastor Cash said you were wearing an earth suit, a, 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 a flesh suit, a body. Because that's what you needed to interact with the earth environment. And you possessed the soul. So there was a hierarchy. The spirit ruled over the soul. And the soul controlled the flesh. Well, when the soul spirit man died, the soul man was next in line on the throne. He became the leader. The problem was the enemy had access to him. And he became corrupt. And now the spirit man, and now that the spirit man is back in charge, the soul man does not want to relinquish his authority. Mm. Oh, I need you to catch all of this. See, now that you've been saved, you've been born again, the spirit man is now back in charge. He now has rightful authority. But the soul man does not want to relinquish his control. So he's in constant rebellion. That's why when you read things in the word or you hear the pastor say things that you know come from God, you're like, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. See, because your soul is rebelling against the spirit. Remember, the Bible, the Bible says that the, the flesh and the spirit are at war with one another, so you do not do the things that you want. It's to try to keep the flesh in subjection, to, keep, to, to, to get the, the soul from being in control, to stop it from trying to control your life. Now, watch this. Now, the body is gullible. It's going to do whatever the soul says because it's loyal to him. Because it's who he is familiar with. It was designed to take orders from the soul. It doesn't even speak spirit. Mm. 
<laughs> I need you to catch that. Your body does not even speak spirit. So your spirit can talk to your body and your body can't hear it. It doesn't even understand. It's like, huh? no hablo. So in order to experience a shift in our behavior, we've got to make a conscious decision. As Pastor Bullock said on last time, we've got to make a conscious decision to adopt a God first mentality. But if we expect to walk in unquestioned, if we, if, if we expect to walk in unquestioned obedience, that's necessary to produce miraculous results, we're going to have to take it a step further. Because in order for the body to obey God, the soul has to voluntarily submit. Uh, I, I need to make sure y'all caught that. See, Pastor Bullock told us on last time that we've got to adopt a God first mentality. But if we're going to experience and walk, if experience the life that God intended for us to have, if we're going to have that be restored to that place of impact and influence that God intended for us, I told you it's going to require unquestioned obedience that will produce these miraculous results. But we, it's, it's going to take more than just a God first mentality. We're going to have to go a step further. Because in order for the body to obey the soul, obey God, the soul has to voluntarily surrender. It's going to require a God-only mentality. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. The God-only mentality. So turn over to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And when you get there, look at verse 24. reads, then Jesus said to his disciples, a follower that he said, Jesus said to his disciples, that word means a follower of my teaching. One who actually does what I say. 
He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, disown or disregard, disassociate. In other words, you no longer matter. It's all about the master. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, to follow me, he says, if you want to be a disciple, if you want to be a follower of my teaching, one who actually does what I say, he said, you've got to be willing to disown, disregard, disassociate with yourself. You can no longer exist. You no longer have to matter. It has to be all about me. He says, and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his own works. See, in order to truly submit to Christ, it requires a God-only mentality. You're going to have to get to the place where it doesn't matter what you think, what you want, or how you feel. It's only what did God say. And that's what sanctification is about. Preparing myself to be used by God. Putting my agenda, my very nature aside, so that God can operate through me. And when that happens, we can experience life as he intended. But the problem is we're conflicted. Uh, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, I, I told you man exists as a three-part being. A spirit that lives in a body and possesses a soul. Well, each part serves a purpose. The spirit makes us conscious of God and gives us access to his kingdom. It's what allows us to connect with him and to acquire the things he made available to us through faith. The body makes us conscious or aware of the world around us. It allows us to connect to it with our five senses, the things we see, taste, touch, smell, and hear. Well, the soul makes us self-conscious. It consists of the things of the mind, our thoughts, our desires, our emotions. Now, what makes the soul different than the other parts is that the soul is divided into two parts. We have the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. It's where information is stored. Everything we've ever learned, experienced, or been exposed to is kept in our subconscious. And our conscious mind is where we process information, where we receive input. The problem occurs when those two are not aligned. Uh, let me help you see this. Go over to James chapter one. 
at verse 5. Here he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, that word wisdom is simply information. It's knowing what to do in a particular situation, a solution to a problem. For example, if you're having a problem in your marriage, you need wisdom for marriage. You need to know what to do to make your marriage work. The same with your finances. The same with your children. And James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. It will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed and driven by the wind for let that man suppose that he will not, not let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord for he is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now that term double minded. does not mean to change your mind. It's when you believe one thing with the conscious mind and something else with the subconscious because this presents a conflict within your belief system which will produce a malfunction. For example, a computer, when the information is being processed, does not match the information that is stored. It causes an error. Like when you input your password, the computer has your password stored. And when you input something that does not match what is stored, it creates an error and it denies you access. Mm. Ah, I need you to see that. See, your conscience is what you say you believe. But your subconscious is what you really believe. And what you really believe will dictate your behavior. So when there is a conflict, it affects your faith. It affects your ability to access the things of God. Because faith without works, that word works means corresponding actions. Actions that line up with your profession is dead. In other words, it will not produce. So your conscious and subconscious have to be in agreement. And God has been trying to tell us that what the problem was forever. Uh, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, go over to Isaiah chapter 55. Yeah, see, see, God's been trying to identify this to us as an issue for a long time. Look at verse 8. He, he says in Isaiah 55, verse 8, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Here he tells us that the reason why you don't operate like I do is because you don't have my thoughts. And that's why we must adopt a God-only mentality, where we only say and believe what God said. But in order to do so, we must deny our flesh. We must disregard those thoughts, feelings, and desires that don't line up with what we say we believe. 
But in order to do so, we've got to figure out how they got there. See, because we've allowed some things to get into our subconscious and corrupt our belief system. And that's why Paul warns us in Colossians. Don't let others spoil your faith. With their philosophies, their wrong and shallow answers built on men's thoughts and ideas instead of what Christ said. Somebody type in the comments. You can't listen to everything and everybody because misinformation will short circuit your faith. And that's why you've got to uproot it. Turn over to second Corinthians chapter 10. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody today. See, because there's certain stuff that you've picked up over the years from listening to Mama Nim and Grandmama Nim and, and the folk, even the folk in church and the folk on your job and, and your friends and, and the news and social media that have short-circuited your faith, that have kept you from being able to operate and walk in the things that you desire, the things that God desires for your life. 2 Corinthians 10, look at verse 3. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. See, we've got to uproot everything. Every thought that does not line up with the word. As a matter of fact, go over to Joshua chapter one. Because I know you think, well, well, how am I supposed to do that? Joshua chapter one, look at verse eight. God already gave you the answer. He said, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Notice what he says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. See, there's a reason why he tells you that. He says, only say what the word says. See, you remember Jesus says, take no thought saying. He says, see, because when you start saying stuff that's crazy, you start accepting those thoughts and you start allowing them access to your subconscious. So he said, <clears throat> don't even say anything that's not word-based. You've got to get control of your tongue. See, that's one of the reasons why this younger generation, you know, and, and we did it when we were kids. We say a lot of crazy stuff, and we got to be careful about some of the things we repeat, some of the things we hear and repeat. He said, but instead you need to be meditating on muttering, pondering, saying over and over again, confessing to yourself what the word says. He said, why? So that you can observe, so that you can get to the point. See, we're supposed to meditate on God's word until we get a revelation. See, meditating on the word is like tilling the soil and sowing new seed. 
Remember, Pastor Cash told us that revelation is restoration of God's thoughts through the spirit of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the restorer of souls. So we've got to be mindful of who and what has access to our subconscious. Go over to Proverbs chapter four. Oh, I'm almost ready to let you go, but I got to get you this. Look at verse 23. Here he says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Here the proverb writer tells us that it is from within the center of our consciousness that all of our issues arrive. And that's why Jesus told us to make sure that we were careful what thoughts we accepted. He said, take no thought saying, what shall you eat? What shall you drink? Wherewithal shall you be clothed? You got to be careful what thoughts you give access to your subconscious by speaking, listening, looking. Instead, allow God to tell us what to think, feel, and desire. So, so, so pastor, are you telling me that I shouldn't have my own thoughts, desires, or emotions? Not if you want to be like Christ. Watch this. Let me prove it to you. Go over to John chapter 12. See, we think it's a big deal. I, I, I got to be my own person. Jesus didn't think that was a big deal. John chapter 12, look at verse 49. Jesus said, for I have not spoken on my own authority for the father who sent me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. Jesus said, I ain't even say nothing unless my daddy told me to say it. And that was Jesus. He says, I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the father has told me, so I speak. He said, why? He said, because I know what God says is going to produce life. He says, so I'm only going to say what he says. That's why Jesus's life looked like it did. See, and the psalmist reminds us that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he'll give us the desires of our heart. God wants to tell you what to say. He wants to tell you what you should want. He wants to tell you how to feel. God wants to, con God wants to control your entire, he wants to restore your soul. See, because in the beginning, that's what he was trying to give Adam and Eve. He said, look, allow me to tell you how to think. Allow me to tell you. He said, it's your choice. Remember, he even tells them again in Deuteronomy, I put before you life, death, blessing, and cursing. Choose life. He said, I'm telling you. I'm giving you the answers to the test, but it's your choice. Yes, we have an option, but God says, I'm giving you the answers. So why would you want to pick your own? Mmm, huh? See, if you remember, even in the garden, when Jesus was about to be crucified, he said, uh, if I got a choice in this, he says, uh, I, I'd rather not do this. He said, that's how I feel about it. He said, but you know what? It don't matter what I want. I want what you want because I know that's what's best for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Give me your desires. And look how it turned out for Jesus. He's sitting on the throne, chilling. 
Yeah, he had to go through some stuff. See, we don't want what God, we say, I just want the will of God for my life. Do we really? See, you got to have a God-only mentality. I only want what God wants. I'll only say what God wants. I only want to think what God wants me to think. Because it has nothing to do with me. I don't even matter. Because if I live like that, then I'll have the, God, the life God wants me to have. See, because we read this, this great life that God promised. We see all of the stuff that God said we could have, and we're like, oh, I want that. But God said, well, if you want that, you got to do it my way. Uh, I don't know, God. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Last scripture, but I got to get you to see it. Look at verse 9. Here it says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man, which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is of from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in the words of man's wisdom, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one, for who has known the mind mind of the Lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of Christ see the spirit's job is to show us the things we cannot see tell us things we cannot hear and to give us thoughts we could not conceive his job is to restore the mind of Christ See, we were meant to live according to the spirit, which has access to God's wisdom, power, courage, and authority. But if we're going to experience it the way God intended, we must adopt a God-only mentality. We must be willing to deny ourselves. We've got to resolve that conflict between the things we say and the things we really believe. Jesus himself said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? He said, these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. See, there's a conflict between your conscious mind and your subconscious. You've got to uproot those thoughts and allow God to restore them to the place where only what you believe is what he said. God bless you today. I pray this word has truly blessed you. I'm telling you, if you're listening to this day and you're like, man, I'd never realized that that's the reason why I struggle. Some of the reasons why we have some of the foolish beliefs we have about church, about, about pastors, about ministry, about is because we've accepted some thoughts. Some of the things that's kept us away from God is because we've accepted foolish thoughts. 
And that's why we've got to get to that place where we recognize, no, this is what God desires for my life. And so if you're listening to this today and you're like, man, I, I wish I had this life. Well, first of all, the first step is you've got to receive Christ. And he made that easy for you. The Bible says that if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So he says what you say you believe and what you really believe needs to be on the same page. So first settling your heart that I believe that Jesus loves me and he gave up his life for me. And then confess, I desire to accept him as my Lord. That I'm going to give him permission to make my every decision. You just can't say it. You got to believe it. He said, if you do that, then you're saved. You're part of his family. You're part of the kingdom of God. And you have access to everything God made available. And he'll restore your life. And if you desire that today, just pray this prayer with me. Precious God, come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe Jesus died for me. I want to be a part of your family. Be my father. Make me your child. Teach me how to live for you. If you've prayed that prayer, you're now part of the body of Christ, the family of believers, and there's nothing anybody can do to stop you. The next step in your, your journey is to find a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church. And if you desire that today, just follow the instructions on the screen. Go to our website, lovemychurch.org. Click Contact Us and fill out a connection card. Let us know you received Christ today. And one of our ministers will get back with you with the next steps. We would love to help you find a believing church. If you want to be a part of this church, we are a virtual ministry, but we have the way to disciple you virtually so that you can be a part of a virtual family. We know that the world has shifted and we have shifted with it. And so we have all the tools available to make your life better. So we would love to have you be a part of our ministry. So just contact us and let us know. Secondly, if you're listening to this message today and you're like, man, this is powerful. I want to be a part of helping this ministry continue to do what it does. You can help support us. Click the donate button. Sow a financial seed. You can use Cash App, dollar sign, My Church Lynchburg, PayPal.me forward slash My Church Lynchburg, or you can use the Givelify app. However, however you desire to give, just know that your gifts are going to help us continue our kingdom mandate of spreading the gospel all around the world. Know that we're going to be a good steward over your financial gifts. But whatever you do, make sure that you spread this message. Let people know that the word is going forth. Share this message with somebody you know. Let them know how they can get this word. We're available in millions of households all around the world. And so just let them know how they can connect with us. We're available on just about every platform there is. And We've got some exciting announcements coming up, and I want to share that with you. In the next coming weeks, I want to make this announcement, and then I'm going to, going to share a video with you. But I, I, want to, I want to share this exciting new announcement that I've been holding. I tell you, we had some exciting things coming up in our ministry, and I want to let you know exactly what that is because I'm telling you, it is absolutely phenomenal. We are so excited to announce. Mm, Y'all ready for this? I wish I had a drum roll. I would play it for me. But on April the 9th, my church will be launching its own streaming network. That's right. You heard it here first. We will be launching our own streaming network with programming such as the word at my church, the program you're watching right now. 
the man cave, women of worth, marriage seer training, our new program you're going to have access to medicine for the mind with my pastor pastor board bullock doing for people with addiction and substance abuse issues the heart of the pastor which will be a brand new talk show with me sharing uh and featuring pastors that are awesome men of god and highlighting and showcasing their ministries and the brand new akintun day show which is a great morning show that takes place twice a week so you got all kinds of content we're going to be making available to you on these platforms. And so we were so excited about it. So we're asking the entire My Church family to go and download the channel and the app. Simply search for My Church Channel on Roku, Fire Stick, and Apple TV or, mid or visit MyChurchChannel.org. You can also download the My Church on the Go app from the Apple and Google Play App Store on your tablet or smartphone. So go ahead and spread the word. But please make sure that you stay tuned. I'm telling you, we're so excited. That's going to be the official launch on Resurrection Sunday. But the app is up right now, so you can go and test it out and take a look at all that's available. But God bless you. We're still developing, but we're excited about what's coming in the next coming weeks. Please stay tuned for our announcements. God bless you. We love you. And see you again on next time. At my church, we help people get better by teaching them how the word works. And we want to make sure there is no excuse not to get the word. It's our goal to make all of our ministries accessible on every smartphone, tablet, PC, and television connected to the internet. So whether you're a man who needs some wisdom, a woman who needs some encouragement, or a couple who needs guidance, the My Church channel has just what you need. Simply search for the My Church channel on Roku, Fire Stick, or Apple TV, or visit MyChurchChannel.org. You can also download the My Church on the Go app from Apple or Google Play App Store. Constantly on the move? Check out the Word at My Church podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Or simply download the Word at My Church skill on your Alexa-enabled device. But whatever you do, make sure to stay connected. See you soon.